0: Welcome to Out of Nowhere, where we talk with marketers, makers, and value creators about where they've been and where they're going next. Let's dive in. Hey everyone, this is Justin Watkins of Native Digital. Today we're talking eHealth with Matt and Doug from Bartavon and how their digital health platform is redefining workers' comp.
1: Really, Bartavon is a it's a national kind of manifestation of the mission and vision of my first company, which was really the bricks and mortar clinic operation. Kind of this interesting intersection of employer, culture, um, commercial healthcare, which is, you know, if I work for you and get hurt at home, I go wherever I want. But if I work for you and I get hurt on the job, you, the employer, can tell me where to go to and direct that care. And it felt like this really, like the most intimate conversation that employers were having with their employees about how they felt about their health and wellness. It was not just words saying we care, but it was actually like, how do we direct and support you as you navigate that process? And so I was fascinated by that that space um, and felt like, uh, you know, there was a better way to do it than, than had traditionally been done. But if I didn't have the clinics, nobody would believe me that I knew what the heck I was talking about. So started and raised a little bit of capital and opened up a clinic, a clinic that treated, documented, and reported back the process of, I thought, more consistent with the way healthcare ought to be produced and the service expectation that the patients and providers and payers ought to have. right? So it was a kind of a utopian vision of we're going to create this environment that's going to reward great outcomes, give great care, and show great value to the payer. Um, and, it, and we were told we were nuts, like that's just not the system that works in today's healthcare system. They were wrong. We were right. It grew really fast. And fast forward to 2012, being blessed, being here in Kansas City, being blessed to have these great healthcare iconic leaders that were nice enough to accept a Panera sandwich and hang out with me in my boardroom um, and give me advice for, you know, a turkey sandwich and a Diet Coke. Um, realized that if we really want to change healthcare at a national level, it was going to be difficult to do it with X number of clinics in just Kansas City. And so uh, we peeled that technology out in 2012, propped it up in its own company, Bardavon, licensed it back to the clinics that I owned, and then went through a process of kind of decoupling that. And instead of just sourcing that technology and ability to those clinics, creating a platform where we could source it to everybody who had access to the internet. And um, would you would,
0: would you have would you have gotten to Bardavon had you not done the first Nobody. venture? Because you, it sounds like it afforded you the ability to get closer to the, to maybe a bigger scalable problem. Yeah.
1: Yeah. And I think actually in a weird way, you had to go, you had to more granular before you scale more. I had to understand or learn what that actual experience is about. Like you can look at any system and say, well, that's dumb. Why do we do it that way? But until you're in the environment where a patient is walking in the door and a provider is seeing them among the other patients that they've got, you don't really understand the the, the granularity that if you can figure out how to scale and op, or optimize it at scale, you can actually really change your marketplace. And so, yeah, no way, no way we're here without the first um, company, um, ARC, no way that we, uh, have the, the, the bold vision that we do that we could actually pull this off at a national level either. So yeah, we're fortunate. So I'm curious,
0: you, you had people saying with ARC that you're nuts and, uh, and sometimes I think that's a good sign, right? Like if yeah. it's if it's so obvious, then maybe it's not strong enough of yeah. an idea. Do you do you feel like uh, do you feel like with Martevon, you still have the same naysayers, or or are they like, well, ARC is working now. I think they've got credibility. Let's.
1: I mean, I think at a local level, and maybe even at a regional like Kansas, Missouri level, um, we've got a lot more. Um, expectate like this is going to work too, you know, because they just they're familiar and they saw it happen. I think at a national level, there was some reluctance that we're still breaking through. Although I would say in the last year, we've, we've broken through that, that it's that the value proposition is relevant at a national level because we're because we are national. Um, I, think, I think the question is can we scale it? Right. And so that's what we're really focused on scaling. Now we, you know, first we knew we could do it in Kansas City, then we figured out we could do it in Kansas, Missouri. Then we figured out we could do it in the Midwest. Now we figured out we can do it across the country. Now we're trying to figure out if we can go from X percent of market share to 100% of market share, yeah. which is what my expectation is, is 100% market share. <laughs>
0: right. Yeah. Aim high. Yeah. yeah. Uh,
1: uh, I, yeah. I think though, it would be remiss if I didn't say too at that moment, what is giving more people confidence every day that we can actually pull this off are people like Doug and the other team members that we've been able to re- attract and re- retain like really brilliant minds that are mission driven and can work anywhere they want, but choose to work at a company that's mission driven and do what we're doing. And so I think, you know, we have this revenue growth, which is great. We have this, you know, big name employers that are buying into us, which is great. I think the best sign of our future though, are the people we've been able to collect um, to help us drive forward because that, that really, if you, if you're, if you get deep, that's what should give everybody the most optimism about our future.
2: Well, and for, for me, was what was intriguing when I first started talking to you guys was,
0: you know, I'd been in
2: high tech my whole career and seeing something where actually there was a vision that could make a difference in people's yeah. lives, right? I mean, to compare it, I spent, you know, five years of my life, it was a blast, had a great time, but, <laughs> but putting, you know, running advertising on mobile phones, right? And while that's fun from a technical challenge, um, you know, it's not really helping you're really just getting in the way when somebody wants to look at their sports, right? So, <laughs> so to have something that you could contribute to that made a difference in people's lives was, was you know, worth the gamble of jumping to a new industry, right? It was like, all right, there's, there's something here. This is fun. And and you could tell, you know, with Matt and, and, you know, Dorothy and Doug and some of the other early folks here that, like, they really believed in it. You know, yeah. it, was, it was fun. It yeah. was exciting to be around, yeah. and still is.
1: Yeah. <laughs>
0: <laughs> that's cool. Yeah, you can see the conviction and that's that's very convincing to people. You in the early days as you're starting to talk, like put a little bit more vision around that and kind of talk about your value prop. I mean you're probably talking to employers, probably talking to suppliers, probably talking to talent, multiple other groups. Are there are there groups where you said, Oh, they get it? Like they get it real quickly. They yeah. they're they're onto it, or they and maybe others were a little slower to it. Like who are the ones who you said, oh, they get it, they can see what
1: we're trying to do here. I think the providers got it first um, because they had been kind of marinating in this really dumb system, you know, and, 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 and providers I always have this special affinity for. They're brilliant people that went to school with the intention, belief, mission, vision, to help people heal, right. And to guide them. And then they get jammed into this very transactional system that has a tendency to take away from that drive. And so speaking to that part of those providers, hearts and souls was, frankly, easy, because I think all providers are dreaming of a world where quality really matters, right? And if you can provide them a pathway to see that, that was immediately compelling and immediately engaging to the provider community. Awkwardly, though, on the payer side, it took really the most kind of technically advanced, sophisticated, self-insured employers who actually understood that this whole idea of quality wasn't just a feel-good story, it was a financial story that if they could get their injured associates to better providers sooner and get better care immediately. Yes. It was better for the patient. Yes. It was better for their culture. Yes. But, but they also understood that there was a lot of value in dollars um, to that. So if you look at our go to market, it's been very strange in the sense that we kind of did the small regional local effort. And then we went up and signed up some of the largest employers in the country and some of the largest employers in the world. And, and got them to believe in it, which was a little bit of a, okay, well, we don't have a national network yet. So we got to figure this out at a local level. And then we got, to, and so it was a little bit of a chicken or egg scenario there for a long time that we're, we're kind of past now because we have that national network. And now we're almost going down, down market from employer size. Um, as we expand, uh, which is a little odd. Usually, you know, you start at the Houston's hardware and work your way up to the grocery store and then you work your way up to the, we started with, again, some of the biggest blue chip names in the in the country first. It,
0: it is a little odd. I mean, I think there's there's a lot I could say, well, work, prove it out, work your way up. But I mean, there's a lot of people who accidentally or purposefully do exactly that. And the benefit of it is if you have success there, you've got major validation. Like, why would somebody smaller than them not, look, these big boys are doing it up here. Yeah. So yeah. that's the benefit. But to your point... They're, they're wanting a national network. And so now all of a sudden, like the products kind of catch up with your sales, right? Yeah,
1: for sure. It was a dance for a while, but uh, I'm, I'm happy to be on the other side of that one. We got some other yeah. stuff. We got. <laughs> yeah.
2: but So, so it, kind of thought leaders in the industry. Right? Yeah. I mean, they were willing to look and say, okay, yeah, this isn't the normal pitch I'm getting. Yeah, there's something there. Yeah, yeah
0: we were fortunate. Yeah, the best pitches have the emotional and the logical. And you said, you know, the dollars and cents have to grab their attention. There's, there's always an emotion. I mean, you guys have an emotional story that you can tell on behalf of the employees who everybody cares about, Yeah, but it's got to make dollars and cents too. It can't just be completely altruistic. Right. It sounds like you're able to make the case for both. Do you find that it's more effective to kind of lead with one or the other, maybe it changes depending on who you're talking to. I mean, is there one that you say, this is our headline when we get into these conversations With, with the payer as an example?
1: I think with the payer, it depends. I mean, a lot of that also you have the you have the price or like, okay, what's the financial value? Um, there's always interest there. There there are, as I said though, more and more employers that really do want the care that they guide, direct, support their associates in receiving to be exceptional and feel like they should have a they should have leverage with that whole provider experience to get exceptional care. If they're willing to pay for it, they should get it. I would say, you know, the piece that leads into um, really Doug's focus area. The other thing too, is instead of looking at the, the, the healthcare experience as a cost only play it, to look at it as, um, you know, a, a communication again about our corporate culture to look at it as an opportunity to gain really meaningful data and insights into what's happening with our organization and how may we better serve them tomorrow than we served them yesterday. Um, That's where Bardamon is really driving, I think, a unique value prop in because, um, you know, we have the benefit that our 17,000 providers document and bill on our platform for every visit. And so it allows us not just to get clarity on what was done and what was billed, it allows us to intervene and optimize the keystroke of the provider to enhance that care. And so um, it allows us to track data in one organized platform that can be both reactive and predictive moving forward. And so with all of that, it is really kind of a new experience of healthcare for both the payer and the patient and and the provider. And so um, those three pieces, price, quality, data, and insights, I would say um, inevitably, anybody we visit with either one, two, or all three are gonna be highly relevant in their decision-making process.
2: Yeah, and having everybody document on the same platform kind of gives my data science team a huge leg up, right? Because they have the same data, they have it consistently entered and they have access to it in real time. So we can run these algorithms, run these models against the data every night, right? And and we have it, we're not waiting three weeks to get the data in when it's too late to do something about it. And we can build the models on really consistent data and and really well populated data, right? Because we control, you know, what's required fields, right? We, we get the information we need.
0: It, it's, uh, it's cool to, to hear about this. I feel like every, almost every industry has a player who's starting to collect better data, has better de- data hygiene, can make conclusions off this data. We can now be smarter about things that may have been right in front of us, but we couldn't put two and two together. Yeah. So it, it seems, and it seems like you guys just, it, you can draw better and better conclusions the more data you collect, right? And then you can do some more interesting things. Have you seen some early outcomes from this, or are there things that people are able, able to make decisions on that maybe in the past they've been like, I don't know, I don't know, uh, yeah, I have yeah. an idea, but anecdotally, but I can't prove it in any way. Way to tee that one up. You yeah, want to talk exactly. about Millman? Yeah,
2: sure. So yeah, so actually, we just recently there was a press release just went out like a week ago yeah. after something, but so you know, we we implemented for one of our clients, um, one of the big national, um, you know, uh, retailers that that you're probably aware of, but. What we implemented for them, going back a little ways, was they had an issue where, you know, they felt like that we were using our predictive models internally to help, kind of guide the care, have our clinical team know what cases to look at, et cetera. But they felt like their their stakeholders, you know, their their adjusters, you know, didn't have access to that same kind of information, and they were trying to figure out ways to, you know, better control their costs, specifically around this concept of an outlier. Right? They had a bunch of of cases that were just running really long and trying to figure out, well, why is that? What can we do about it? So we brainstormed with them and put together, um, you know, an offering that we call Insights Alerts, that basically it goes through and there's like seven different types of alerts that we send them about every case. And some of them are things like, you know, after the first visit, so the initial evaluation, based on the data that we collect, we run a predictive model that says, here's how likely we think this particular case is becoming an outlier and then we give a recommended action that we worked with the employer on to say okay here's what they want their adjusters to do for for this alert type and so we we put together these seven different alerts you know and they you know one of them for example is the the physical therapist has made a return to work recommendation right so we send them that alert tell the adjuster hey you should check in with the physician on the return to doctor date and understand hey, the therapist thinks they're ready to go back to work. You know, it's a physician's decision, but here's some information. So when we, when we went into this with, with the retailer, they said, well, you know, let's, let's come up with some criteria that we can judge, that we can measure before and after and see, you know, did it improve or did it not? So, so long story short, we ran that analysis. We looked at four months prior to it being implemented, four months after it being implemented, cut out the first month that it was kind of transitioning to the, to the new capabilities. Um, And we saw a really big reduction in, you know, overall number of visits, duration, so kind of calendar days for care. And then, you know, their most important area was reducing the percentage of outliers. So we ran that analysis. We were really happy with it. And then, you know, we hired this this third-party company to go do some validation of it, right, to make sure that You know, not so much did we do the math right, but were there other variables in the data that that could be causing it versus the introduction of the system? So, so they spent you know months kind of normalizing the data on both sides of that to say, okay, well, it's this one had more of this type of injury than this set, so let's let's normalize that. Um, And so I was a little nervous on what they come back with, but you know what they came back with. Their numbers were actually better than what what we had calculated ourselves I and mean, interesting I think it actually improved it a little bit but it showed just a really significant difference in the uh, in the percentage of outliers and it was true for like surgical cases true for non-surgical cases you know true across the board so you know it's it's a way that we were able to prove that applying this data science to the data And then being able to use it in such a way that we enable other stakeholders not just us but other stakeholders to do more proactive management of that case right that that we could do something about it you know and and some of it were simple things right not you know we had the predictive models and all that in it but one of them is just hey if you have a patient that's not showing up for visits and it hits some threshold we're going to send you an alert because you really need to reach out and find out what's going on you know is it that they've given up is it that they're ready to go back to work is it that their boss won't let them off because they're on partial duty you know what what is it and and they could impact that more than I, more than we could from our side
1: you know so it was you know, really fun really really good stuff i would say though like to your point sometimes the most significant impact stimulus are the simple ones yeah you know, we, I, we, we make it more complex and sometimes it's just guiding the, the, the provider to sit down with the patient and listen what's going on and how to, like, that's all too often missed in our system. And right. so if we can apply data um, and technology to support that, we'll win. And the patient will win. And the, and the provider will win. And the payer will win. Like, it's right. it's a really simple, actually, at at, a, at its core, um, it can be a pretty simple equation to have dramatic impact.
0: That's cool. At, at this point, I mean, what? how many years are you in right now with Bartabon?
1: So we are in a little over seven years. So seven started years, with yeah. three associates in 2014. We're about 240 or 50 right now, yeah. and operating in all 50 states. We started with three operating in Kansas City seven years ago, and yeah, we're 250 operating in 50 states right now.
0: What uh, looking back on the past seven years, what would you say is maybe one of the gnarliest challenges that you had to go up against? That maybe you would have not like on day one. You didn't foresee that. As a yeah. challenge that you ever have to tackle, but you did, and you, you know, happy you got past it. But man, it was tough getting there.
1: I think I think um, Doug will have a way better answer for this. His will be more like interesting. I think you know, mine's more <laughs> like, it, and I say this all the time. It's kind oh. of it's it's kind of uh, Darwin versus Newton, right? Like uh I, I always think about like Darwin's concept of evolution is natural selection. Like the best things are going to win out, right, over time and Take over the marketplace, which I think is true um, as it's applied in the kind of free market. I think um, Newton believed, though, that a, 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 while well, a, a body at rest tends to stay at rest versus a body in motion tends to stay in motion, the healthcare infrastructure has been stagnant and at rest forever, right? And so it's just, and so you've built up all this architecture to support a very transactional, depersonalized, you know, uh, resistant to innovation system, right? And and I thought it was going to be easier. Like obviously this works. Obviously this benefits everybody. Obviously everybody's going to adopt this a week after we launch it because it just makes sense. And I probably um you know uh magnificently underestimated how much resistance to innovation and, and improvement there would be in the healthcare system. Um but I do think you know that's again now as we grow and are recognized for it and are getting these marketing pieces and these validation tools, you know, we're, we're seeing a lot of adoption. I just, I mean, I, I expected a hundred percent market share six years ago. And now I tell Doug, I'm going to wait all the way till next year for hundred percent market share <laughs> and, and everybody. So I think that that's, that's part of, you know, just generally, I, I, I think that I underestimated using your word, what a gnarly problem that was going to be um, and how many people are going to oppose us. So now I set you up, you have a more interesting answer. Go ahead. Yeah. I, I, for me,
2: part and part of this is just the background of I had never been in healthcare. I had no idea even the terms they were using. You know, when I got yeah. here, but um, the the thing that surprised me the most was there's certain measurements that the industry just relies on that in reality don't make any sense, at least logically to me. Um, you know, so one of them being this this concept of savings. It's you know loosely defined as the more you spend, the more you save. Right. Totally. right? Yeah. So like as we as we started to just say, you know, so early on, I was, you know, I guess just set in my ways or arrogant or something. People would say, hey, we need to show this. I'm like, that's stupid. It doesn't mean anything. And I'd go back to let's go show these other things. And it took me a little while to realize it doesn't matter if I think it's important. We need to show it. Yeah. Right. And we need to make a difference in that area, even though it's more important that we reduce the number of visits, we reduce their duration. Or not even reduce it, but make sure it's the, the appropriate right. number, yeah, right, so that they get back to work at the right time. But but you know, I think early on, you know, my my take was let's go fight this battle now and realize, well, why? Just yeah, we'll show you this. And turns out we do fine in those areas as well. It's just, you know, let us also show you some other information. So so trying to just kind of fight the status quo more than we probably should have, you know, early on was was I think, you know, a, a difficult thing
0: at times. Yeah, we, our, Doug, our team is, has kind of run into that as well too. Sometimes you want to be a purist and like say this, this is really important and what you've been doing, it can be better. But when you're talking to maybe someone who might classify as like a traditionalist, that's scary, it sounds like risk. And uh, you gotta be careful about how much you uh, say, hey, there's a new way versus just kind of mirror yeah. them and, and show that, hey, this is safe. We're, we're talking the same language talking the same terms, now let's gradually kind of get you to that next place and kind of understanding where they're at and what they're will, how far they're willing to walk to get to that next step versus a big scary leap that sounds like risk, which we're all risk averse people, right?
2: Yeah, and, and I think what's been helpful for that is, you know we started with kind of a concept of, of almost like an outsider's view of this. We're gonna really revolutionize yes. the market and that was great and it got the early adopters but now we've started to bring in people that have more experience in the industry and can help us, you know, help me at least understand why some of these other things are important. Yeah. Yep. So right. we've gotten a better balance over the last few years.
0: Yeah. And Matt, to your point, inertia is a real bitch, right? Like it's, yeah. <laughs> but if you knew that ahead of time, you might've, it might've might talked you out of it and probably glad that you didn't.
1: And inertia can be like a body at rest. That, that can be a real bitch. A body in motion though, when it when it starts to then then work with that evolution, and that's where I think we're that's where it gives us confidence, is we do feel things moving now. We do feel this momentum. And so and and the inevitability that technology will enhance healthcare services. I think is real. You know, it it created more work as you go back and we put everybody on um, you know, computers to do healthcare. You know, there, there was a lot of growing pains with that and a lot of problems. And then those systems were really built to do nothing more. Than to create bills um, you know that was the second phase of kind of inadequacy now i think we're in this new really inevitable evolution where the the technology is being um, engage, engaging providers now the new north star is does it actually enhance care does it actually improve the experience and the expectation for those technologies that it does is a really good thing because um, we're we're moving toward a space i believe that, you know, our kids get better healthcare because of the, the solutions we're putting in place now.
0: I think I know how you guys will answer this, but do you believe uh, the e-health, telehealth, and some of the advances we saw in the past two years uh, helped with the adoption of your technology and your platform, or, or did it, or were there some setbacks because of it?
1: Uh, I think, I mean, you, I mean, interesting, like, it's a great question. I, I think, um, I don't think it helped with the adoption of our of our technology, I think what it allows us to see is our platform has much bigger capabilities than we originally expected, because I believe, we believe, I know we believe, I'd be curious to answer, but I, I know we all believe like telehealth, um, virtual healthcare, that's going to be a part of our healthcare ecosystem moving forward. It needs to be coordinated instead of these disparate point solutions that, you know, you do this over here and then you, it needs to be coordinated across a platform that can support the differentiation between when you need onsite versus when you need at home versus when you need tele, and I think we, I think, I think the world is kind of recognized that Bartovon is one of those platforms that could support that, and, and look at and coordinate these disparate point solutions in a way that's best for the patient. So I think you know all of that world just expanded our viewpoint about where this company can be, um, in the in the near future, and so that that again creates a lot of excitement. It creates a little bit of a, oh boy. <laughs> anxiety, but it's excitement more than anything else.
2: How would you? I mean, yeah. I agree that other than the adoption of it was way slower and yeah. you know than I expected. I mean, yeah, you know, we were convinced telehealth, the- P- tele- PT, telehealth. Sure. Yeah, I mean, we were convinced in April that this was going to be our our future. You know, yeah, April of twenty twenty, and you know, it's it it went up, but it, it, yeah, and we, you know, it's. I'm surprised. I'm surprised. Yeah. And, and I'm not sure why. I think there are, I think it makes sense to do it. I think there are things that we can do to make it better and yeah. make it, you know, make more, more patients and more, more therapists it. But it's, uh, it, it was surprising to me that, that it didn't, it didn't catch on fire.
1: I think great MSK, so musculoskeletal care, you know, telehealth for um, mental health makes a ton of sense to me. Right. Yeah. But there is a physical component of musculoskeletal, like massage and, 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 and not forced movement, but like controlled movement and equipment that is less completely uh, appropriate for telehealth, right? Than some of these other spaces. And so I, that's where, but I think for some, it is for the, some components of that healing continuum, right. it is going to be appropriate. Like the day after surgery, you probably don't need to go into a clinic, but there are things that we can be doing via telehealth that can improve the outcome, and so coordinating all of that as a component of a larger journey, I think, is how we all see health. Yeah, for sure,
2: and and the deferred surgery aspect of it. So one of the things we put in place was to say, you know, when all the hospitals were shutting down, and you know, you've got somebody who needs a shoulder surgery, if they just sit there and do nothing, it's not going to go well, right? And we don't know how long they're going to be sitting there. So so we, we were successful getting some of those in place that I think is yeah. was, was more helpful. Um, you know, and some of that was Telo for sure. Um, and I do think Telo probably had a different adoption in the commercial space than it did the workers' comp space. Yeah. Too, too.
0: Yeah. Doug, I, I want to ask. I want to ask this for both of you guys. I'll we'll start with you, Doug. You talked about uh, a background in slinging ads on mobile devices, and now trying to help people with their with their health and that type of thing. What what has been sort of like the most rewarding or feel good uh, for you uh, being a part of Bartavon?
2: Well, I so <laughs> I'm trying to remember the exact scenario. There, there's been some. There was you got an email from. It was a I think it was the worker had sent it to hmm. to their to their to their boss or something. somewhere along the way. I remember you getting an email from an injured worker that had been in one of our our network clinics and just was talking about what a great experience was and how it kind of you know, made a big difference. And, you know, so I thought, I thought that was pretty awesome. And then, you know, we did bring in uh, somebody who had gone through the experience of, uh, you know, getting hurt on the job and had, and talked to us for like an hour or so, yeah. the whole company and, you know, just putting in perspective, you know, things that, that weren't even medical, right? Like, you know, this person was talking about just, you know, didn't understand, am I, am I going to get paid? Am I, you know, it, when am I going to be able to go back to work, you know, basically pulling down to how am I going to support my family You know, and, and just hearing that firsthand, you know, compared to people saying, I, I really wish I could see the score of the game right now instead <laughs> of this stupid video playing. You know? So, you know, it was just, it just made a big difference. You know, it's, it's just fun. It's,
1: it's That's fun. cool. Matt, how about you? I mean, the patients are always probably the first thing you think about and, the fact that Doug and I can sit back here right now and say, I feel like Doug's been with us for, you've been about six of the seven years, right? Like from the very beginning. We've certainly made mistakes right? along the way. He made mistakes, not me. No, I'm just kidding. Like we, I made a lot, we made mistakes. It's also a truth um, that we we pivoted when, when appropriate to do so. And we impacted tens of thousands of people in a positive way. Maybe, maybe they don't know it, but we know it. They got better care. They got better access. Um, they had a better outcome because of, you know our collective impact so that, that's valuable for sure i would say too and it's part of probably um, it, it, what's been great is i get to hang out with doug there's all <laughs> these and i mean that like there's these great people that are super talented i say this all the time they could have worked anywhere they had opportunities where they came together around this vision that is no longer my vision it's our vision like we are collectively built this fireplace and we're all hanging around it because it 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 keeps us warm and makes us excited about tomorrow and so it's bigger than me it's bigger than all of us and during that journey my ability the ability to get to know and care and love these people that are brilliant and super talented has been just like frosting on a pretty good cake anyway you know like i didn't know that was going to be a part of it but life is short right you might as well hang out with cool people and do important stuff while you got you got a chance and we've we've that part we've done right